Hi, and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach, Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. Really excited, a very, very special guest on today's episode, somebody who I look up to immensely. I have been following her on Instagram for the past couple of years and I have been consistently sharing her incredible quotes where she talks about timelines and being in your 30s and living a life of joy and peace and being radically content, which is the name of her book. And it was just a really big career moment for me to invite this guest on and for her to say yes and to come and share her thoughts about being in her 30s and I've called this episode turning 30 and a wake-up call to your dreams because what I absolutely love about this guest is that when she turned 30 she just decided that she was all in on her dreams it was like okay my 20s have been great but I've not really done what I want to do and she then set out to do it and really it's she's such an inspiration and I really just couldn't be more grateful to have her here. Now before I introduce her I just want to remind all of you that the day that this podcast gets released is the last few days to grab your spot for the next chapter group program. The program is a two-month group coaching program where we're going to be doing a set of eight workshops and eight live coaching Q&As and really helping you and supporting you and teaching you all of the coaching concepts that I work with my one-on-one clients and in the past my other groups and I've put them all together in this kind of ultimate container that is going to help you to build your next chapter and I know what you're thinking Emma what does it even mean to build my next chapter and what it means is for you to get clarity about where you're currently stuck what is going on with you that you need help with what is going on right now where you feel like you're doing something or you're not doing something that you want to be doing And what this group is going to do is going to help you and guide you in a really supported, safe environment with other women who have already gone in and invested in themselves and decided, right, that's it. I'm ready for more. And it's going to help you to get those things that are missing. It's going to really, you know, help unpack those limiting beliefs, those things that are blocking you. And it's going to jumpstart you. So you're probably listening to this in the first weeks of May. And, you know, if you want to have a different year this year, we're already in the fifth month of the year. And if you want the year to be different from what's happened up until now, you want the year to look differently to last year, you want to just turn things around. This is the program for you. So the link to sign up is in the show notes. You can DM me over on Instagram. I'm always happy to hear from you if you have questions, if I can help you make your decision. As a coach, it's my job to get curious and to ask, you know, what is holding you back from signing up? How can I help and support you to make this decision? And I think I'll just leave you with the question of imagine actually going all in on yourself and in two months time or three months time, looking back and saying, oh, remember that time I listened to the podcast episode and I decided 
fuck this, I'm actually going to invest in myself. I am so happy and grateful I did it because X, Y, and Z has now happened. And X, Y, and Z is going to be the goals that we're setting as part of the program. So yes, spots are still open. It really is the last chance. And I'm looking forward to seeing you over in the group. Now, let me introduce this week's guest. This week's guest is Jamie Varon. She is an author, designer, digital course creator, and a creative consultant who is living in California. She just published last year her first nonfiction book called Radically Content, and she also has the journal companion to that. This book is incredible. I really recommend that you go and buy it. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it and she also has her debut novel coming out main character energy which will be out later on this year and she has a variety of different digital courses and like I mentioned before I discovered her on Instagram where she shares a lot of the contents of her book and the things that she writes which are really really in tune with the turning 30 mission so I'm talking to Jamie today all about turning 30 her own personal journey to becoming an author and really taking control of her 30s. Hi, Jamie, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Emma. I'm so excited to talk. Such a fangirl moment for me. Just want you to know this, that, and as I'm sure we're going to discuss throughout today's episode, I feel like your book, when I read it, was like every single thought that I've ever had (laughs) being put onto a piece of paper. And it's something that so many topics that, I talk about in my community, so many things that are going to resonate with my audience. I'm really excited to have you on today and to hear all about the book itself and also more about you and your journey and and your turning 30 journey. So thought to start, I would ask you, do you have a turning 30 journey? You know, I do. And I thought I wasn't going to have it because I was always like, as a kid and as in my twenties, I wanted to get older because people had always said I looked really young and I, you know, and as a woman, I was like, I get taken seriously if I get older in my mind, you know, then I realized a lot of other things, but you know, I was like, I want to be older. I'm older. And then I hit 30 and I was so confused by my reaction because I must've had a bunch of subconscious expectations, you know, that's how conditioning is. Like it doesn't kick in until you hit the point where the conditioning is lining up with where you're at in your life. And so I was like, where am I? I I felt like to me, it actually, at first it was really demoralizing because I was feeling like I wasn't doing enough and I was falling behind and I had fallen behind. That was like the really big feeling when I turned 30. And then it was more of a wake up call because I had to kind of have some really hard conversations with myself where I was like, well, in my 20s, did I really, because the big thing when I turned 30 was I hadn't published a book yet. And that had been my dream since I was a kid, you know, and I had to have this really hard moment with myself where I was like, but did I finish a book did I really give it everything? Like, did I finish that book proposal? And did I really go for it? Like my book had never, I'd never even had editors reject it. You know, nothing had even happened. Mm. And it was really hard, that cognitive dissonance between going, this is something I've always wanted, but I haven't really put the effort 
into it because I was afraid or I didn't think I was good enough or, you know, and I had to have a really hard conversation with myself throughout the course of that whole year that I was 30 of, okay, am I going to do the real work of making my dreams come true? Cause it's a lot less sexy than it looks, or am I going to just not have this dream anymore and, and change my dreams, which is fine. Like that would have been okay. If I felt like I could live with myself And I wouldn't have regrets because I do think that as we grow older, we can't hold ourselves hostage to the dreams we had when we were 16. You know, we, we grow up, we know certain things we, we learn about ourselves. And I do think I just really hadn't put in the time and energy that was really necessary. I wasn't consistent. I wasn't honoring myself because to me, Mm -hmm. I'd always said like, discipline and consistency. This is boring and mundane, but actually it's like a really loving thing to say to yourself, this matters. So I'm going to carve out time in my day to make sure that I'm saying to myself that it matters. Cause it's kind of the same way that we treat like a romantic relationship. If someone tells you something is important, but then they don't act like it's important. All you feel is the action. You don't feel the words. You feel that like, you're saying something different. And I was like, I'm doing the same thing to myself. I'm saying, all I want is to publish a book, but I'm not actually actioning on it. And I'm not doing the thing or figuring out how to do it. I'm letting fear dictate a lot for me. So it was very like, at first, very torrential. And then it was extremely liberating as those things tend to be like, because it was really, I was like, I got to meet myself at this moment. I was like mad at the world for not publishing my book that didn't even exist yet. I'm like, that's not fair. (laughs) And, you know, it was other things too, but that was kind of the most, that was the big thing because it was that dream that, you know, and I, I had had, like, I was resentful that I didn't have, you know, I never had a trust fund. I didn't have connections. And I, I was like, okay, well, this is all true, but still now, what do I want to do? Like, I accept that. I love that you're using, that you're explaining this example, because obviously on this podcast, I ask a lot of people, what's your turning 30 story? And the usual theme is, I wasn't married by the time I was 30 and I wanted to be, I wasn't in the career that I, you know, the job that I wanted, I wasn't a manager. Sometimes it's about money, buying a property, all these things. But here, I think you're speaking about something that's so relevant that I actually haven't spoken about on the podcast to such depth and in so much detail about having a dream, really having a dream and then turning 30 and that dream hasn't come to fruition yet. And I love that you use the word, the expression wake up call, because I think that when you turn 30 and something that you really wanted doesn't happen yet, you can go down that space spiral like you said it was it was torrential and you can go down to that place of I've failed and this isn't going to happen for me and you know I've given up and be in that victim mode place and yeah I'd love to hear in more detail how you took that and made it into a wake-up call and how you found that liberation in understanding that the dream hadn't happened yet and then in therefore I'm presuming because obviously we know that you're now a published author a few times over what then happened afterwards, even chronologically speaking, that resulted in you reframing that from the, you know, fallen expectation to the wake up call that it became. Yeah. And I agree. I feel like a lot of the conversations about 30 are like the milestones that you're supposed to hit the checklist. And Mm -hmm. then that's the reckoning. 
people yeah. have to have of like, well, why do I have this expectation? Why do I feel like I have to be married by 30? Who told me that? Why is that there? And I mm-hmm. I didn't really have any of that. I, I think because I had done a lot of that work in my early 20s because I was such a rebel. I was like, I'm not going to live my life based on this society. You know, I was like an anarchist almost, you know, I was just <laughs> like screw the systems and everything. But yeah, so, okay, you know, wake up call, you know, first it was, I'm so mad at myself, you know? And I, all of these things, I feel like a lot of times we encourage people to like ignore these steps, but I'm like, go into the victim mode, get mad at yourself, like have those, get it out, you know, like be honest with yourself. If, you know, if you feel like a victim to life, yeah, there are systems that are against us. There are things that are hard. You have to at least acknowledge it. And then you can decide how you want to respond. So I was, I was just like purging all of that over the year. And, you know, then it became, okay, so what am I going to actually do? Like, am I going to work on this? And that was a little longer. I didn't really know what to do because what I had felt was a lot of the people, there was like just people that it seemed like they naturally were consistent and dedicated and disciplined. And I'm like, I was not that. Like I could, I could just, you know, follow a butterfly all day and like call it a day. You know, I was not, I'm not like that person that can just force myself. I I worked for myself, but I was motivated by like, I didn't want my clients to be upset with me. So I would, you know, I was, I was a designer, a graphic designer for myself. And so I was just, I knew what to do with that. Um, But this, I was like, how do I learn how to be consistent at a thing that I'm terrified of not being good at? You know, it's like getting over that hurdle was so hard. And how do I sit down and I face a blank document and go, this has to get a book deal and it has to be this and it has to be this. Like, I was like, that's too much pressure, you know, and I can't approach my dreams that way. So what ended up happening was after doing a lot of journaling, like journaling really helped me because, and and it's such a cliche for a reason, because it's like, it really is the only way to meet yourself. And as good as they're, you know, as good as therapy is and as good as friendships are and talking to people, There's nothing that's going to get you as consistently in communication with yourself like journaling. Mm -hmm. And I just had to be brutally honest with myself. Like there were sometimes those journal entries, I was just like a jerk to myself. You know, I'm like, why aren't you doing this? What's going on? Why aren't you doing? And it was good. You know, I had to have some tough love. And so then I, around 2017, I think, well, actually, okay, now I'm remembering I actually quit writing for two years then. Mm, Interesting. Because, yeah, so what happened was I realized, I actually realized that this dream was causing me a lot of pain. And I was mad at myself and just constantly down on myself. And I was like, but, you know, I had to come to this realization. I was like, wait, don't I want to do this because I like it? Like, you know, I'm like, wait a second, but why is this causing me so much pain? Like I I ostensibly decided I wanted to be a writer because I loved writing, but where is the love? Where is it? And I made like this weird, I do this thing where I like make vows with myself every so often. I get this like hint of clarity and I just had this, I was like, 
you don't get to sit down and write again until you love it again. Like until it's a joyful thing and you don't get to do that. And at the time I was like, that's crazy. I'm never going to write again, you know? And I did it. Like I just really purged myself because I was like, I have to, I need a break. Like I need a break from this idea that once I get the book deal, I'll be happy and everything else isn't as good as that. And, and all the things that I've achieved aren't nearly as important as this, because I hadn't done this thing. And I was like, God, this pressure is killing me. It was so stressful. I'd wake up like every day with anxiety. So I was like, I don't know the answer. So I'm just going to take a break. And then a lot of things happened. We ended up, my husband and I ended up moving to France for a year in 2018. And I was working from my computer. I was doing design work. I always had my design business. And then about a year into that, or like, no, I'd say eight months into that, it was like November. I had this feeling. I was like, I want to write again. Like, I love this idea of, I started my a, a newsletter in 2018 before everyone else was this was like, no one was doing newsletters. But I was like, I just, I miss blogging. And I miss like that, those essays. I miss like processing with people. And maybe I could just do it once a week, just once a week. And I could go to a coffee shop. I was in France, you know, I was in the South of France. It was so beautiful. I'm like, I'll go to a coffee shop. I'll get a croissant. I'll get a cafe creme. It'll be so <laughs> fun, you know? And it it started to sound really fun again, you know? And so I was like, let me just see how this goes. And I just loved it. And it was like the first time I'd ever been able to just sit down and write. Friday, my brain knew it was time. I called them Friday letters so that I would know the day to go. Mm. You know, <laughs> like, don't leave it up to chance. Just go on the day. And I was able to finally write in a way that was consistent because that was something else I hadn't been able to do. I couldn't like rely on my gift, you know? And if you say, I'm going to write books for a living, but you don't even know if you can write, it's like, you're just setting yourself up for some intense struggle and pain. So I, that's how it started in 2018. And then we moved back to the U S and by spring 2019, I was like, what if I like wrote a book proposal? Like that might be cool. What if I like worked on a book and I didn't tell anyone I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because I had this vow with myself that I was not allowed anymore to talk about the things I wanted to do if I wasn't actioning on them. Because I found out, and there's actually studies to back this that I didn't know at the time, but I found out for me that you get some sort of like dopamine hit when you're talking about the thing you want to do. And it makes you think you've done a productive thing because you're discussing it. So you're like, one day I'll write the book. And it's like, okay, that was my task for the day. And it's like, but you didn't do anything, you know? So I was like, you don't get to get that. You don't get to cash in on people being like, oh, wow, you're working on a book proposal. I'm like, nope, no one's going to know. I'm just going to do this for myself. So I would like squirrel away to Starbucks and like work on it for a couple hours. And then I had a book proposal. And then that was 2019. I got an agent and which was very lucky. I was very grateful. But then we worked on the proposal and we sent it out to editors and publishing houses at the end of the summer. And it was all rejections. And mm -hmm. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I finally got my nerve back up and now I'm just getting rejection after rejection. So I was like, 
crap. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> then I was like, let me pivot. Okay. Let me think of other ideas. So then I wrote like a memoir and then that didn't go anywhere. And I didn't do anything with that. I was just like writing things. And then I wrote a novel. And then my agent at the time was like, this isn't where it needs to be. You need to work on your craft a lot more. And I was like, okay. And I had to really have this moment where I was like, am I willing to put in the time to practice at this Mm -hmm. and not be prodigal talent at it right away, you know? And I did, I was, I was really motivated. I read the books and I worked on the craft and I figured out how to do story and all of that. And then still, so then I wrote another novel in 2020, September, 2020. And when I sent it to my agent at the time, she said it wasn't there yet. And I had my moment of, I don't, I don't actually agree with you. So I fired her. And I was like, it was a very big moment because she had also put together a proposal for another book and it was getting rejected too. And it was her own idea for it. And I was like, you know what? It's not a match. Like we're not seeing eye to eye here. Mm -hmm. And within like a week or so of me, I won't say firing, letting her go lovingly, (laughs) a publisher popped into my inbox and said, I love your writing on Instagram. Have you ever thought about doing a book? And that's what became Radically Content. Wow. (laughs) So many, so many lessons from this story. There's so many things coming up. (laughs) That is crazy. So aligned. Yeah, it was very aligned. It felt like I've, and I, I'm kind of like that, you know, like I have, I have to have the like practical, but there is a sense of magic that I sort of throw my hands up to because that's really true. I mean, if hard work and grit did all of it, it would be a different story, but we know that there's luck, there's magic, there's timing, there's just things at play that, and I do think sometimes we have Like, I feel like this agent that I had at the time was in my life for me to have that sort of pivotal moment of saying, no, I choose me. I choose my opinion of myself over what you're saying. And then, you know, I took that same novel and didn't change anything and got like signed to my dream agency. That's, you know, the, it's like where Emily Henry and, you know, there she's like, it's like where I wanted to be, you know, the most. And so you know, but that took time. That was like months of time in between. But, you know, so I really think that there's a way, there's times where you really have to be like really practical with yourself and set up the systems. And then there has to be that moment where you're just like, okay, I also surrender to timing and how this is meant to all play out. And I can't control, I have tried to control it all. I mean, I thought I was going to get a book deal back in 2019. And then I ended up writing Radically Content two years later you know, and it's just, I couldn't have predicted that. The thing that stands out for me the most in in your story of how you became published is the resilience. And I want to ask you, did you always know, or did you always believe, obviously you could never truly know, but did you always have that firm belief that you were going to be published one day and it was just a matter of time before it happened? Because it really feels like that from the way that you're telling the story, it was very much that it doesn't matter if I take two years because it's you know, off writing, it's going to come out and something is going to change. Was that the experience at the time? Or is this more of a telling the story in hindsight? Yeah, it's definitely in hindsight. I mean, (laughs) of course, I always, I, I did believe it. 
you know, but there were many times where I wanted to give up. I mean, actually, in general, um, unfortunately, I am the type of person where I can, something goes wrong and I'm like, it. I should give up. Like, I always let myself have the out. I'm like, mm. maybe you should give up, like go and live in like, I don't know, the English countryside and just like have chickens and you know like I just give it not that that's giving up but like to me that's my version of just like simple life just go you know and so the resilience is a lot less in the moment but is an overall thing where like I I always end up back there you know and I always end up going all right no don't give up like don't don't let, you know, you're getting scared. Like I'm a very fearful person. And I know that seems crazy to people, a lot of people, because especially people who have been following my journey, but I'm like, I just do things afraid all the time. Like, I just don't let fear tell me, you know, I think letting fear tell you what you can and can't do. It's like, that's a habit. That's a practice. And the more that you let fear tell you, don't do that, don't do that, be afraid, don't take risks, the easier it becomes to just keep doing that. And I think it's the opposite too. Like the more you just say, I'm not going to listen to you. Like I'm going to hear you. I'm going to hear that you're afraid. Okay. I hear you having a tantrum in my head. Great. But we're still going to do it. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you know, we're still going to end up going in that direction like I, I uh, attribute it to like, I'm not a good flyer. I'm not, I don't like flying, but still I'm like, so what's the alternative? You don't like my dad, my dad hasn't flown on a plane in 40 years. He won't fly at all. So I'm like, that's the alternative is you watch the world through a TV yeah. screen. I love this analogy because I'm also scared of flying. And it's so funny because even though I'm scared of flying, I've always had jobs and I live a abroad from my parents I live away and I've always had jobs that mean I always have to fly I've literally travel for work I used to travel for work a lot more and then it's funny isn't it because when you first start getting on the plane when you know back in the day I was very very scared talking like five seven ten years ago I was very terrified to go on a plane and now I still have the fear but I do have it under control because I do it more and I think that's such a really it's such a good analogy for doing anything in life is that if you just stop like your dad and just watch the world, then the fear will always be there and it will just overcome you. But the more that you just do things, keep going, keep going, then eventually you do learn how to just keep getting to the destination, even with the fear there. And the fear never goes away. Like every time I get on the plane, every takeoff, my heart still races and I still get sweaty palms. And I still, you know, even though I say that I'm not atheist, I still pray to God that everything's going to be fine. And yeah, I just love that analogy. I think it's such a good one for anyone who's scared to do something in their life. Well, because it it applies across everything because I think we assume when we look at other people, we're like, oh, they're just fearless. They have something I don't have. It's like, no, I just think a lot of of people, they just do it anyway. Like they just say, because it's about what you water. So if you water your fear, obviously it's just going to grow more and more. But if you water your like, tenacity and bravery and persistence and dedication and your ability to like your courage that gets, that grows more. So then you have a well of experiencing your past going, wait, I I was afraid then. And I still did it. I was afraid then. And I still did it. You know, like I have a novel coming out in the fall. I'm terrified. I've wanted to, I've like thought about, I, when I tell you how many times I've thought like, 
is it too late to take it back? Like, can <laughs> I, can I tell Harper Collins to take it back? Like, I'm like, please tell me there's a way, you know, cause it's like, it's terrifying, but I'm just like, what's, and I always have to have, I think it's really important that as people, we are able to like have fun with ourselves and talk to ourselves a little bit. And I'm just like, well, so what's the alternative, Jamie? You just like go and live in fear and you're too scared. Like, okay, so you're going to have, you're, ex- you're going to experience some serious discomfort. All right. Well, at least you're doing the thing that you said you wanted to do. Like, that's more important that that's in alignment with you. And, you know, so then it becomes like, you only really have two choices when it comes to those things. Like you either give into the fear and let that control you because once you start giving into it, that becomes, you're afraid of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everything is a potential risk and versus, you know, having the mindset of like, without risk, there's no reward. And, you know, without risk, you're not going to like experience. I'm like, you have one life. I want to experience as much as I possibly can. So yeah, back to your question of like, whether I had resiliency throughout the whole time, like every single day, just being like, no, just keep. No, I fought with myself all the time. And I think that's more normal than probably, I think some people maybe have like such a fierce belief in themselves that they don't experience that. I don't. I mean, I I just, I let myself have tantrums and little pity parties. And I'm just, I think that's an important part of the process because wow. it's important to acknowledge that the reality is these things, as much as like the dream life, we have it on some sort of pedestal. I mean, it's just like, it's just, there's, there's things that are good about it. And then there's things that are scary about it and there's pressure and there's this. Yeah. And what I wanted to ask you next, actually, which is what you were leading to is that, you know, the dream life, the dream for you was when you were turned 30 was that you wanted to be published. And then eventually a few years later, you made it happen. You turned it around and you committed and the stars aligned and you became a published author. What was the experience of it? Like, how did it feel to see the dream come into a reality? Was it as good as you thought? Was it, how was it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say last year was a complicated year because, <laughs> you know, you, you build something up in your head and I had done enough self work to know. I'm like, this isn't going to change my entire life. Like, let's be real. I know enough and I know enough very successful people that they say all the same things, but still you have this idea of how it's going to go. And you think you're going to be, and everybody else sort of feeds into that idea. I mean, I had people who were telling me like, well, once your book is out, like, don't forget about the little people once you're fit. And I'm like, it, it doesn't really do that. Like, I mean, it's not like that. Like I, I, the next day I was just like, I still need to go get bananas. You know, like I'm not suddenly a high, like a celebrity and even celebrities aren't celebrities. Like they're just people, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, there was definitely some disappointment. There was some unmet expectations. There was also, a lot of excitement. And I feel like I, what I felt like, cause it came out April 12th last year. Um, what I felt like, and I kept telling people the first week, it felt like I had ran like the hardest marathon of my life, 
for 20 years Mm -hmm. and I was flat on the ground with just like my little finger over the finish line. Like I made it. That's what I felt like. And I also felt like I had been given this gift as right as a writer. And I am, I'm pretty spiritual. So I was like, you gave me this gift. You made it the hardest thing to access. Are you happy now? I did it. I got the book out. <laughs> you know, I was like, just let me live, you know, let, let this go. But then of course, like it was like two months later where I got an idea for another book, you know, it just happens that way. But yeah, there was definitely, it doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go. And that's not necessarily like a bad thing. It's just a, the idea that once you hit that mile, because like the reason the milestone in the dream is so alluring is because it feels like it's going to fix everything. Yeah, Like you're never going to doubt yourself again and you're going to have certainty and you're going to have all of the things that you want, you know? And it's like, no, you're going to doubt yourself again. You're going to push yourself again. You're going to challenge yourself again. You're going to have uncertainty again. You're not going to know. And just, it's kind of like, freeing in a way. At first, it's a little disappointing because you're like, oh, so it really doesn't do all the things that you think it's going to do. Huh? All right, cool. And then you're like, oh, this is freeing. (laughs) I don't have to, you know, I don't have to put my life on hold anymore because that's a big, it it actually what I, I mean, you've read the book. So a, a lot of the tenets in Radically Content I mean, that book, I wrote it as a response to a lot of the things not happening in my life that I wanted to happen. So I really had to use a lot of the methods and mindset for when things did happen because I was like, oh, well, it still doesn't do. I had built up for so long. I'll feel worthy when I publish that book. I'll have value. I'll be this. I'll be this. And it it doesn't do any of that. You really still have to have that from within. And so that was like, I had to strengthen a lot of that mindset and just Mm. still not, I can't, I can't do that again, where it's like, I'm putting everything on hold so that I like achieve the next thing or have this really big expectation. Because again, going back to I think there's so much out of your control, especially when you start doing creative work. Like you don't know what's like, no one knows what's the book that's going to propel the next, you know, like no one knows. Everybody Mm -hmm. says that they know, but you know, for some people it's their first novel. For some people it's their sixth, you know, like I was just thinking about Taylor Jenkins Reid. She has this whole thing with Daisy Jones and the six. I don't think people, I don't know if people realize that Daisy Jones and the Six was, I think her fifth or sixth book. You know, she had three books before Evelyn Hugo. And then Evelyn Hugo only became a best, a New York Times bestseller, like three or four years after it was published. Daisy Jones and the Six has taken her probably four or five years for this adaptation to happen. And, you know, we look at it, like even I, I, I fall into like, wow, so cool. It's amazing. I want that, you know, but I also have to remind myself of like the boring reality of waiting four years for like that to come to fruition and how long things take and how much you have to have your wits about you on a daily basis to withstand that kind of waiting and that kind of daily effort that no one's going to see and no one's going to 
you go to your TV show premiere and it's a big moment, but it's been four years in the making. So what what have you done for those four years? Just waiting for that one big moment or have you cultivated like a really beautiful life in between those moments? That's, that's a big thing that I'm like currently very focused on and reminding myself because there's a lot of waiting in a lot, in a lot of these, a lot of these big splashy careers where we only see the big moments what's what people 99% of the time are doing are just waiting yeah and I, I think this example that you're using for your career and the comparison that you potentially feel towards other authors who are in different stages of their journey is so applicable to anyone in their career and anyone actually even any milestones let's take it back to turning 30 and thinking oh but I would just be so happy if I had the book published or I will be so happy if I was just married to the partner of my dreams or you know I lived in this place or I had this much money in my bank and it's like no what about all the life in between the milestones or in between those big successes because I talk about this a lot in my coaching and it's exactly what you have just been speaking about here is that you know the external circumstances the external success is only one very small part of the way that you feel about yourself because obviously your internal your internal reality is actually what's going to cause the happiness and I know that's also what you speak about in the book so yeah if you have any reflections on that I would be interested to hear and you know I also know in the book you talk a lot about these kinds of topics of really like going away from what society says that you should have and being more in thinking about what you really want inside so yeah I'd love to hear what you think about about that yeah because well that plays into it perfectly because those moments of like you buy the house or like you get the marriage, like you get married. These are really fleeting moments. And then, you know, we think about that's like 1% of life. And what about the other 99%, which is like what I have, what I had to realize, cause I was so enamored with the big moments I want in my twenties. That was just like, I would compare and think. And, you know, I didn't realize how much effort went into those moments and how much you have to do that. No one's clapping for you. No one's paying attention. And you have to find a way to like, love that. And that's how I wrote any of my books was because I was like, I'm going to figure out how to love this for myself. Because when you look at the career as an author, for example, the majority of the time you're writing and editing, you're not releasing a book. You release the book one day. The rest of the time you're working on it and no one knows what you're working on or anything. You know, it's a lot of solo time. Same with like anything else where it takes time to create it, you know? So I think when we look at these like milestone moments, we're really missing how much fertile ground there is to create joy every single day, you know, and add so much life into our days instead of just being like, well, cause like I, I talk about a lot, how if everything we're doing, if we're suffering and, and making it so hard and not letting ourselves have joy, because we feel like we haven't earned those milestones yet, like those milestone moments, they don't return on investment. I don't think they're big enough to say, yeah, it was worth four years of pain and suffering. Like, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think anyone who's had those moments would agree either because 
they're just so fleeting. And so that's what I tell myself where I'm like, because I do still fall into it. Of course, it's societally, you know, societally, that's what we see, right? So I have to remind myself of that where I'm just saying, you know, it's about the day I'm in. That's a really big reminder to me, like be in the day you're in. You're not, you know, right now, for example, I'm like, you're not in fall 2023 where your book's coming out. Like, because I do have a book coming out, you know? So it's like, I have to remind myself that I'm in March. <laughs> like I'm still got the day to do and I still got the life to live and finding a lot of joy. Like, I think when we have this society that puts a lot of emphasis on those big achievements, it's important to just like, like I think of my life as kind of a Venn diagram or not a Venn diagram, like a pie chart. And so everything has its percentage points, like how much, you know, I have to have like my physical health and my emotional health. And I got to like do the the responsible, annoying things that I don't want to do, but I know that they're going to help me. And it's not all sexy, but it all contributes to well-being instead of having this sort of like live for the weekend, live for the big moments, miss your whole life and not really be there for your life. Like, I think that's a big thing that I, growing up, hearing a lot of people who are older saying, I wish I had just like enjoyed my life more, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to take that advice. I'm not going to wait until I'm 80 years old to remember to enjoy my life. Yeah. Like I'm going to enjoy it every single day as much as I can. I don't always do it right, but I, have that as a guiding light, I would mm. say. I love that. And, and how do you cultivate joy? How do you practice being radically content, even in the times that you don't feel that you're where you want to be or that the day maybe isn't looking exactly like you thought it would? I guess what I do and is like, I try to just extract the most out of my experiences. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll go on a walk and like, listen to the music that I really, really love, you know, even like that. Like the music that we like will say like, oh, it's my guilty pleasure. It's like, just have it. Why does it have to be guilty? Like Mm -hmm. just, just read or like read the books you want to read, like read the things that you like, or like, you know, for that, even those things we put restrictions on like, oh, Taylor Swift is my guilty pleasure. Like, no, just go, go on a walk and like, (laughs) right. Like just listen to Taylor Swift, (laughs) like, you know, or read the rom-com or like watch the funny show or why does it have to be this like highbrow thing? Like we could just carve out something like that. Like, cause even in our enjoyment, we try to put restrictions on it. So I just like take all the restrictions off Mm. and I'm like, I'm going to cook like really fresh, beautiful food, or I'm going to eat what I want to eat. And I'm going to like, listen to the things that really light me up. You know, like I I know people who have like lists of things they, you know, I got to listen to this and I got to watch this. And it's like, if these are for fun, like just, you know, do it for fun. And so I just, it's even like a mindset thing, because if, if even like the things that we like, we start kind of like downgrading them or dismissing them, then we're not even getting maximum enjoyment out of something completely harmless. And so I just take, I just try to notice it and I try to extract joy and I try to see things through the lens of joy. And, you know, I just, I try to just get the most out of the day and I try to connect with myself and, you know, it's not always easy. I think like, 
you know, it's more like what I said, it's more of like a guiding light and a North star that I just kind of bring myself back. And there are some days where I don't have it. You know, there's some days where I'm like, just go on the walk. Cause you know, your mind's going to do some nuts things if you don't go on the walk. So mm-hmm. I, I just trudge through it and I'm like, Oh, I'm annoyed, you know, but that's okay. I'm not going to judge myself because I think all the emotions are valid. And I don't, and I also think that's another thing of like, sometimes the pressure of like, enjoy every day, every single day, you know, it's like another, it's like another thing. And it's like more like, just, just try, like, just try to have your mind look at things through that filter. Like, just try to see what, what you can be grateful for. Try to see how you can. And I also feel like when, this is another thing that I've noticed, is when we feel like we're not getting where we want to get to, that really does, I notice that that feeling comes up a lot when I'm ignoring something I want to be doing. So mm-hmm. if I'm not, for example, like writing regularly, or I, I, I get... I'm more susceptible to comparing to other people yeah. or, you know, so there is something to be said for being like, why is this coming up? Is there something I'm ignoring? Cause I really think, I mean, you probably notice this a lot in your coaching that when there's a disconnect between like, if there's something we know we want to be doing and we're not putting any effort into doing it, that's a, that like causes a lot of self loathing, like a lot of self-harm too, because it's like, you're really not honoring yourself if you're not even giving it like 15 minutes a day, you know? And that's what I have to pull myself back from. Cause I'm like, well, this isn't a call for me to be angry with myself. It's more like, it's probably alerting me to, to something that I'm ignoring and maybe afraid to do or afraid to put the effort in. But I'm like, oh, I need to actually, I need to put some time in this and I need yeah. to sit down and actually give this some space. I think that when people, exactly like you said, the example of really, really want something, really want to do something, but then they don't actually do it. They start to label themselves as lazy or I'm just a procrastinator. Or I'm just not capable. I'm not competent. And they build like a a web, a cobweb of beliefs about themselves that you're right, completely results in some form of self-loathing. And and also you fall out of commitment with yourself. And I always say this to clients or, you know, people in my community who say this about themselves. It's never just lazy. You're not lazy. Mm. You're never just procrastinating. There's always something deeper going on. And that's why journaling is the, like you said, the best way to meet yourself because if you can commit firstly just the actual act of journaling every day is amazing because you're building up that muscle of actually doing something for yourself which creates more confidence and then the act of writing and understanding what those fears are is so helpful because at the end of the day it usually is a fear it's usually a fear of rejection or a fear of failure or a fear of success which is another one that actually comes up more often than we probably would give credit for so yeah I really agree with what you said I think that it is just about reconnecting with yourself and not getting lost in those web of labels that you're doing something wrong. And I always say that that's when comparison happens the most is when you're so focused on what everyone else is doing. It's because you're avoiding yourself. And the way mm-hmm. to flip it back around is to start focusing on you. I call it turning the volume up on yourself. I'm sure you have a name for it. 
and I know that your new novel is called Main Character Energy. Is yeah. it, is this, I don't know if I'm making like a link to this, but there's something here about bringing it back to you and focusing on yourself and away from other people. I mean, that's basically what the novel is about. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the, the main character is very bitter and angry that things haven't worked out for her. And instead of acknowledging that, you know, she feels like she's the supporting character because she hasn't seen herself as the main character in her own life. And I think this is a really prevalent thing with especially women feeling like they need to be supporting characters instead of like, it's selfish to be the main character of your own life. It's like, and, and I just, I just like fundamentally don't agree with that. So yeah, I, I completely agree that, you know, like I just had a period of like maybe six months where I was doing a lot of avoiding and I was like reverting to some not great behaviors that I know in the moment I was like, I know this is harmful, but I still don't feel okay. ready to face what's going on. And it was very much fear, like fear of how my novel was going to do and fear of putting myself out there and fear. I have a very big fear of success. I'm very, you know, a lot of that. Is it going to change things? Am I going to be able to handle it? Is it this, you know? And so it was all fear. And once I was able to see it, I was like, oh, okay, so now I can just move forward and, and figure that out. But yeah, it is really interesting how, you know, we, I, I say like we create these stories and then we keep telling ourselves these stories. Like the, I had the story for so long of like, I can never be consistent. I can't be, I can't do the same thing every day. You know, like I couldn't even it's so like, I couldn't even take a, like a birth control pill every day. I was like that inconsistent with myself. And I was like, but it was just a story I was telling myself because I knew probably somewhere deep that like, you actually have to show up and you're not, you know, like if you're just constantly disappointing yourself, you already know the certainty of that. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. But when you start going into the unknown, of, you know, now I'm going to show up and I'm not, you know, like that's how I started writing the most. Cause I said to myself, <clears throat> instead of waiting to feel like I'm good enough, which is never going to come because what does that even mean? Just be consistent, like celebrate pr progress instead mm -hmm. of celebrating, oh, I must've written a New York times bestseller today. You know, <laughs> it's like, how is anyone going to know? How do you know? You know, so it's like, you, you can't do that. You just have to, I kept celebrating like every time I would write, like 500 words. I was like, Oh my God, I'm amazing. This is so great. And then all of a sudden I had like multiple books written and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, so that works. That works. That's interesting. I really agree with this, the concept of the stories and the narratives that we have about ourselves and how much they feed into our behaviors. How did you, or how do you break those stories? I call it breaking them in, in my coaching. I don't know if that's the right term, if it makes sense, but how do you manage to bring those stories with you and then not feed into them and let them go? Well, for me, it started with writing affirmations of basically literally rewriting the narrative. Mm. Like if I had a story that was, I'm not good enough, it was rewriting that to like, I am, I am happy. I am wonderful. I am this, you know? And then what, what I think gets lost in the affirmation thing because it can seem very shallow is like, 
once you start writing the affirmations, a bunch of crap is going to come up of the limiting beliefs that are telling you, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you have to look at those. Like it's, it's a step. You got to take it a step more than just repeating the affirmations. Because I think for me, I have to, I have to tell my brain what to think of myself. If I let it just think on its own, it's such a jerk. I don't even understand. I'm like, why did I get this brain? Why does it do this to me? Like if I let, if I'm not vigilant, it just, it'll just abuse me all, all day, every day. I'm like, why? So I have to really, I have to be like, no, you're grateful. (laughs) No, you're good. It's good to be alive. No, it's this, you know, I was very much in my twenties. The, I was the complainer in my family. That's how they knew me. I feel honestly, I feel I just want to interrupt you and be like, we're the same person because <laughs> Love it. you wrote there's a line in your book. It was at the start of the book that you put something like, when I was in my 20s, you were speaking about how you were the complainer and you were cynical and you rolled your eyes and all of this kind of like, you know, hippy dippy affirmations and all this kind of like wasn't for you. And then in your 30s, like you love it. I think I just took a picture of it from my Kindle and was like, oh, because I write about this all the time on my Instagram. I'm like, I was. And I still have a little part of my brain that is so cynical. All I want to do is complain all the time. My brain is like, the first thing my brain always thinks is just something really, really negative. And it was so interesting to see when you wrote it. I was like, yes, I'm not the only one because most of us are like this. Most of our brains are set to the dial of negativity. It's just how our brains are programmed. And yeah, it was just really interesting to see how you've, you did that shift as well. I have as well, you know, 20-something-year-old Emma would laugh at 35-year-old Emma being a life coach and speaking about this stuff on a podcast. She would be embarrassed for her. She would be like, this is cringe. Please don't do this. But now I love it. I love it so much. I feel like it's like, thank God, thank goodness that I like did all this stuff and I have affirmations and I journal and I speak about it because my 30s would be very different. And I know that yours probably would too if you, like you said, left your brain unsupervised. I mean, it's so, so true. Like the word cringe is exactly it. Like my younger self would be like, okay, she's like kind of cool, but also really cringe. Like the earnest, <laughs> we're, it's too earnest, you know, like, <laughs> all right, we get it. Like, where's the edge? Where's the, yeah. where's the pessimism? Where's the sort of like, uh, you know, I always wanted to like live in New York and like, smoke cigarettes and like, you know, be cool. (laughs) I was like, and then here I am in like sunny LA and like, I need the sun and I speak affirmations and I'm like, who have you become? But also, you know, you get to the point where you're just like, actually I have to, I'm the one that has to live in my life. So I want to make that a nice home. Like I want my, I want to be my friend. And I know that sounds cringe and who cares because I like how it feels when I'm my own friend. And when I like actually take care of myself and do like a lot of the boring things that my younger self was like, oh, I can't do that. And it's like, well, how did that serve us? Because actually I feel like, so one thing that I really always tell myself is like, I have to like make life for my future yourself a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And so that's what sometimes helps me when I'm like stuck on a task. I'm like, but I, I think about like right now, I'm like, what is March, 2024, Jamie, what would she be so proud of me for starting today? What does she need to have in progress? So we're like 
doing well and we're feeling good about where we're at. And because I felt like my 20, myself in my 20s, I was like, that actually speaking of 30, now that I'm remembering, I was like, this bitch like gave me a lot of burdens. Like I had to deal with her debt, her like irresponsibility with money. She didn't write anything. She didn't do, you know, I was like, oh my God, she didn't do anything for me. She didn't make my life any easier. So that was like a really big, I'm starting to remember some of my own tenets, but like I had to start thinking of, I think it's easier somehow to love our future selves more than our current selves. And so I started thinking, I'm like, what can I do for my future self to help her out? Mm-hmm. And that was another reason why I started like exercising was because I was like, I don't, you know, it gets harder as you don't exercise. And I want my future self to be like in progress with that. I want her to feel stronger and more comfortable in her body, more, you know, in alignment with that. And I don't want to give her like more tasks, more things that she's not doing. Um, So I really have to be in like this chorus with my future Mm. self so that I'm always taking care of her because she's coming and I can either give her burdens or I can make her life lighter and progress and, you know, start building things that she can then take, you know, I'm like, okay, I built half the house, you build the other half and then we're going, we're going instead of, okay, I um, burned it all to the ground. Good luck. (laughs) I do feel like that's what we do in our twenties. We literally are like, and not not everyone, obviously some people do, do go on a different path earlier. Good for them. Yeah. It didn't happen to me, but that's, that's what happened when I turned 29. I was literally like, oh shit, I didn't do anything for my future self, like nothing. So I really resonate with that. And I love that. Let's leave it on that note because we have to finish now, even though I could carry on talking to you forever. I know. But I think it's those points that you just said are really good journal prompts. So for anybody who is going to listen to us and be like, yes, I'm going to get my journal out because I'm also a huge advocate for journaling. Those prompts are amazing. What will I in one year be proud of? And really, really think about it because building your future self is just, yeah, it's so important. And I think that we don't do it enough. I know that I don't do it enough. Yeah. And one year is enough time where it's not a short enough time, but it's not a long enough time that you can start putting some steps in and it could be small steps because small steps are better than no steps. Yeah. And I think that what happens actually when you turn 30 is that you think you have to have this like five or 10 year plan. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know what I want to do when I'm by the time I'm 35 or by the time I'm 40. So then we just don't do any plan. And that's really like what you just said is that one year plan is good or even six months if that's if one year is too intimidating think about yourself six months think about yourself next month like just just think don't burn things to the ground yeah right yeah amazing great so thank you so so much for coming on I know I mean me personally it was just so interesting to hear your journey of becoming a published author and can you share with the audience where they can find more out about you and also your Instagram because you share a it's the quotes from your book, but also really amazing words on Instagram. So if you could just let us know where we can find you. Yeah. So on every platform, I'm at Jamie Varen. And so on Instagram at Jamie Varen and all my stuff is on my website, jamievarin.com. And then I have Radically Content out all, where all books you know, are sold. I have a journal, the Radically Content journal is coming out soon. 
And then I have my novel in the fall. So yeah, I've got some good stuff going on. Amazing. So excited for you and can't wait to read the novel as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jamie. And I'll see everyone on the podcast next week.